Hi, this is Michelle with Moms Letting Go. If you are here, it's because you are the mom or dad of an addicted loved one. Welcome, and today I am interviewing Edie Landry, who is the mom of an addicted loved one, her son. Um, she's been a mom of, uh, and had addiction ongoing problems in her life for probably 10 years. She was the daughter of an alcoholic and a sibling to, of addicts. So she actually even lost her sister to drug addiction in 2002 when the pill mills were uh, a really big deal and on the corner and nobody was talking about it. Um, volunteer in church and um, facilitates or helps out with the Financial Peace University, and she's a member of that, Daughter of the King. And so she has experience from in the addiction world of being that affected loved one from a lot of different places. So welcome, Edie. It's so nice to have you today. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Good to be here. Great. Um, and Edie is from Louisiana, so she's got a little bit of a southern accent, which I just love, and I can't even um, – sometimes I do improv, and I try to pretend that I have a southern accent, and I, I just blow it really bad. So it's it's nice to hear an authentic southern little voice. So, um, Edie, I wonder I, – I met Edie on our page, Mom's Letting Go, and – uh, she's written to me a few times, and I was so intrigued with her story because she comes at addiction from so many different angles, but not angles, but she's been affected in so many different ways by so many loved ones. And um, I think what intrigued me the most was that she has survived and has such a positive um Oh, not outlook, but she just is at peace with with all of it. And so I'm going to encourage her to share her story or a little bit of her story so that we can hear, you know, when did it all start and how did you end up today where where you're at? Wow. How did I end up today where we am? Well, it started with um, this journey as being a mom of an addicted loved one of my son started, I want to say, around 2011 is when I was made aware or became aware of his his involvement. Um, we had just recently moved to another side of town. Um, he had just lost a, a friend to um, an alcohol car accident. And when I moved shortly after the the experience of him losing his son, I mean his uh, friend, it ripped him from all his friends that he needed to grieve with. And oh. so how that, old was he? He was seventeen. Okay, seventeen, and um. But that, at the beginning, that was uh, – I had um, gone on a little trip with a girlfriend um, that summer shortly after that happened, and I get a phone call from 
from um, my brother-in-law, who was still in town, and that my son had gone to jail. I'm like, gosh, 17? I was a little freaked out. Well, it, the experience was with marijuana. There was a whole group of them, a group of 10 or so friends, and they were hanging out at a, outside on a street with in front of someone's house, and cops showed up somehow, and none of them would admit to having the marijuana. So the cops took them all in jail. And so that was the beginning of uh, my knowledge of him um, using any kind of substance. You know, when, gosh, I grew up with five brothers. And how they never ended up in jail, I'll never know. But, you know, it's the same kind of sort of story with with our son. But I chalked it up to, oh, that's just what kids do, Um, you know, this this doesn't mean there's a problem. They all try different things, and he'll get over it. Did you do the same? Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. Because you know, it's, like you said, it's just a phase. It's um, right. But it, it, but you know, it wasn't. And so I continued on my my little girls' trip and let my brother-in-law handle him. And I and I looking back, I'm like, gosh, you know. But as as um. I've learned on this journey, and um, as a mom, you think I could have, would have, should have done things differently, could have, would have, should have done things better, um, but it is what it, it, it happens, and it's his journey, yeah. and, it, and, and I know, yeah, it was, it, that was how, hard. How old, how old is he now, then? 26. Okay, 26. and so... Um, where is he at in his recovery? He is he just finished a ninety day he went um well yeah, he just finished a ninety day program in April. Ninety day inpatient. Um went to a sober living right after the ninety days and oh, about two weeks ago. Yeah, he finished oh. and he just did good and about two weeks ago, he decided he wanted to come home. So right now, he's um, home, and we're taking one day at a time and one breath at a time because any day, you know, I'm hopeful but expecting and um, not expecting, I shouldn't say that, but um, cautiously. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> right. Well, it's because so often you read that their triggers are at home too. And so that's the most difficult place to stay sober. Um, you would think that it'd be the other way around, but um, does he have a good support group there where you? Uh, he has family, but as far as an outside of the, our family group, um, no, because his friends are, who he needs to stay away from or his previous friends. Right. So, so that, um, he hasn't met any new friends yet then. Okay. Right. Well, I'm going to pray that he finds that because it's, um, it just sounds like it's just so important. Our, our son and daughter-in-law, even though they're 17 months sober, they still haven't found that either. So, um, 
you know, they've, they moved to the area six months ago. So I, I am hopeful because they've lived here for six months and they don't really have friends, new friends, right? But mm-hmm. uh, they don't, they didn't go back to the old ones either. So (laughs) yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So um, if you, if you could describe yourself early in your journey, Oh, by by the way, what's your son's name? Adam. 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 So when Adam, when, when Adam was, you know, the 17, 18 year old and um, things were happening over and over again, and you were realizing that the addiction cycle was, taking over your life or, you know, I, I don't know how about you, but like I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. Every time I heard a siren, I thought it was, you know, that he was dead. Um, but, you know, when, when and how did you find peace in, I, I shouldn't say peace, but when I heard you say, you know, this is his journey, can you, can you actually pinpoint when you finally thought this, me and I have to stay in my own lane? Well, um, in 2012, I'm actually looking at it right now, the prayer that I wrote in January of 2012. And I I have it taped in the front of my Bible, and it says, "Lord, Lord God, please walk with Adam. I beg you to capture his heart, captivate his heart, take over his mind, and invade his soul. He needs his heavenly Father more than ever to show him the way. And then I find it with confidence. I thank you, Lord, Adam's mommy, oh, and that just brings me to you. Um, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I wish you would share that in the group. Because I'm always telling them, I'm always telling moms, like, find what works for you and tape it to the refrigerator. Or, like, for you, you know, you taped it to the front of your Bible. Um, what I did was I sent Ryan a prayer um, to St. Michael because he was, like, the guy who you pray to to ward off the demons and the devil, right, and Satan. Yes. And so I bought, I bought him this metal, like, medallion. You know, it's kind of masculine looking but it's still like a a piece of jewelry if you will and I didn't pay a lot of money for it I mean it was just a symbol and um it's the saint I think it was saint benedictine or something on the front or um and like he was here this weekend and he still wears it like he wears it all the time and it just you know that just melts your heart (laughs) yeah it's like okay like he's staying with it right he's so um, that was just beautiful. So, and that was already in 2012. So you were already, so it sounds like God really helped you through the tough times. Oh, yes. Yes, he did. If I didn't have that, I would have been a basket case. But that, not to say that there weren't times that that I couldn't cope and I didn't focus on the wisdom that I knew. God had for me. I thought that I knew better, and that I knew my son better. Oh yeah, um, you know <laughs> that I could that I could do it. <laughs> sure. And, oh and, yeah, I'm laughing because I've been there too. Yeah. <laughs> and probably that left me with <laughs> that left me with nights of sleepless nights. And oh my gosh, I remember a time. Um, gosh, 
prior to writing this prayer, I believe, or during or in, it all blurs, <laughs> um, when for a week I had a stiff neck. I didn't know, couldn't figure out why I had a stiff neck. You know, who knew? Of course, the stress and the worry, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, so that yeah. a lot of sleepless nights when I didn't, um, didn't surrender Adam right. to God, and you know, and it, it, but still, it's a struggle because I, I leave him at the foot of the cross and I take him back because right. I, I I raised him and I I know him, but nobody knows him like God does. So. Right, yeah, and just that just that thought too. I somebody posted on page the other day about well, God loves my child more than me. So I find mm-hmm. comfort in that, and I'm like, wow, I never thought about it. But, yeah. Um, you, yeah. you know, as moms, you think there is absolutely no one who loves my child more than me, right? And Absolutely. Um, and a lot of times, um, not even his dad. Like, you know, I always think, well, I love him more than his dad does. And I don't <laughs> think that's true either. It, I don't think no. it's true. It's just that. It's different. Like they love guys love differently or something. I don't know. They show it differently. They, yeah, um, they do. And that's you were laughing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I. You were laughing. I think there's a story there. You can relate. Yeah, and that's the thing. Of you know, his dad and I divorced when he was uh, 11, and so primarily in the house, primarily you know, in the household. Uh, mom is the caregiver, and even when there's parents that are still married and, and there's an addictive son or daughter, uh, the the opposite parent sometimes can't, doesn't get it or doesn't, um, like daddy, daughter's little girls, maybe their daddy's, daddy's girl kind of a thing, and yeah. he feels you know, the father may feel closer to the little girl and vice versa because there's a mom, you know, but, right. but, uh, yeah, that's true too. I didn't, never thought about that. I do hear a lot of, you know, the girls who are moms who have addicted daughters. Sometimes it's the dads who are doing the enabling and rescuing, um, because they just can't handle the thought of their daughters being so sick. Um, so yeah, there's something about those relationships for me, even like with my dad, oh my goodness. Yeah. My dad could do no wrong, but my mom and I didn't always see eye to eye. So I know that I was like that too. Um, you had said one time to me that superpower, I don't know. I think this was your superpower is. You know you have mastered a soul lesson when the circumstance has not changed, but the way you respond to it has. And for moms of addicted loved ones, um, I oftentimes see where we react to, you know, the choices of our loved ones. And we're like so frustrated and disappointed and so we'll react with anger, frustration, shame, blame, you know, all that. But um, you said, you know, you know you have mastered a soul lesson when the circumstances not change, but the way you respond to it has. 
can you speak? That was so wonderful. Yeah. And I, that's, that's what, that's what I hope for all of our moms um, in the group because, or in the world, like moms of addicted loved ones, that if we can learn how to respond to what is going on around us, we can continue to be who God created us to be. But when we're so stuck with trying to um, manipulate or not manipulate, but rescue, save our own children, that we forget what our purpose is. So could you speak into that um, on when, I mean, was there, was there one day where you just realized, oh, I'm just not going to respond the same way I have been? Whew. Well, no, I can't say that there. I can recall a one, one day. Um, but actually, I think it was more recently in the current um the current um, relapse that we're in, that I am the most strong. Um, that um, it did take learning. It's not. It's not a one day wake up and feel like you've done it and you're you've arrived. Right. Um, yeah. No, because I I know that this is still a process and that I'm, and I'm trying to enjoy the process um, along the way because on the other side is peace, grace, um, forgiveness, humility, contentment, all those things we want for ourselves. Yeah. Um, that, that, and for our children and for our loved ones, our sons and daughters that are um, walking in this, um, but um, there is a, a self-discovery is a big a big deal with this, and 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 once you can be confident in who you are, um, then you can remember. I think in my case, I I remembered um, how confident I was as a parent when he was a child. You know, I remember. Right. You know, I remember when when he was a child, when he was little, and I corrected him. I didn't second guess my myself when I corrected him for something, or you know, told him right. don't run in the street, or don't you know don't do this, or watch where you go, and or call me when you get there. But I find myself now, or recently, um, being timid and not confident as a parent. And I'm like, where did you lose that? Where did you yeah. lose that confidence? So it's um, well, it's hard. Don't it's you think sometimes? A, let me ask you a question about that. You know, I I so understand what you're saying, but maybe it's just me. But do you worry, especially now that your son's living at home? Do you worry that you will trigger him? Oh, is yeah. that part of why you can't say or do what you want to do? Absolutely, and yes. The fear of so, triggering him, anything that I say is holds me back from. So I don't want to correct him. I'm not there to do like he did. I did when he was eight years old. However, right, I do want to remind him 
of, and I'm not the person, I mean, he, it, it's so hard. We just had this conversation this morning, he, you know, this afternoon, he oh. and I, and and I I, I told him I'm, I'm his biggest cheerleader, and I'm here to to love him unconditionally, like no one else in the world can love him. And, but I can't do it for him. And it's his, his, he, but, but at the same time, I, I was, I was like, don't forget, you know, you need to go. (laughs) Don't forget. um, Yeah. And that's just the nature of being a mom. And it's so hard. We're not, we're not going to lose that. That's who God created us to be. We're, we're here on earth to be their guardians and that's, well that's and it. i think that, that that's because like he's 26 so he's an adult and so he has his own um thoughts and beliefs and you have yours and that's why kids are supposed to grow up and move out because it's hard for us i mean it's hard for me to just live with my husband two adults right um right. Too, too many cooks in the kitchen like too many like there's always um you know there's a chance for conflict so um one of the things that ryan my son said um like when they moved back after being a year gone in recovery i said look he started telling me when he was going to go to support meetings and what he was going to do and because he doesn't live with me i said i don't need to know all that i'm not going to police that I don't want to police that. That's your job. This is your journey. And he said, you're right. To thyself, I must be true. Oh, and that's he said beautiful. They taught that he can't. I know. And he said, they taught us that. And so I backed off. But Edie, <laughs> I have to tell you, it is so darn hard for me not to say, so, did you go to any support meetings this week? <laughs> right, right. Because I, and, I mean, because for me, I know the less I know, the better for myself. You know, yeah. like you said, it's because because you drive. I will drive myself crazy trying to police him, trying to to reminding him of everything. So no, I, I we had a small conversation today, and I I mentioned it. <laughs> I just want to throw this in yeah. there, kind of a thing. Um, but I didn't yeah. I didn't lecture, and I didn't. I caught myself, and I was like, no, this is none of my business. I'm trying to stay out of it. Have, have you ever asked him um, or said to him, I am worried that I'm going to trigger you to use. And I need, I need to hear from you, like, what are your triggers here? And um, this is my home and I need to be free to do and say what I need to. But I do live, I mean, can you have that kind of discussion with him now? Yeah, I could. I could. But and and actually I haven't um thought about it in those ways. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you for for, oh, like, no. for saying yeah. it that way because that that will help me in the next conversation that we have to um because I don't want to be a trigger for him and I know they say that the sometimes the most stressful place they could live is with us is in their with their parents, so I don't want to be a stressor to him. Yeah, um, and I have heard some moms where they um, actually have a contract and they 
you know, say you can come back home, but these are the rules and you have to sign here. And then it's like a plan, right, where, okay, um, you'll be looking for a job and then by this date you're going to get a job and by this date I'm no longer going to be paying for your phone or whatever. Like it's kind of this this system, right, um, that they all agree on. Thankfully, um, you know, our son is, golly, he'll be 39. Like I just can't believe it. But so – you know, he moved out when he was 17. He couldn't, or, yeah, 17. He couldn't wait, nor could we. Anyway, that was another story. <laughs> but um, so for us, you know, like that piece of it has been different. Um, but I, you know, so I, I'm sure that your situation right now is a challenge, and I, I pray that, you know, you guys can find a way that works for everybody. Um, what, what can you, t- what has been the hardest part for you, um, with struggling with his choices and his addiction? What's been the, what's been the most difficult thing for you? Watching the pain that I know is awaiting around the corner for him and that I In can't what rescue way? him from. The, oh. In what the the um, you know the the pain of pain that drugs cause that um, okay I mean, nobody is is immune from using a substance and being free from a reality that um gosh that so is emotional pain yes yes and the physical from the, the, the Physical, the, the the physical. Uh, let me see how to put this in words. The emotional, yes. The emo- it was emotional for me, but I was worried about the physical aspects of him using. Um, what is he doing to his body? Um, right. Is he going to wake up? Um, those sort of things. Um, is he going to? Gosh, the the one time that I yeah. that I vividly remember, and I. This is an image I'll never forget. Um, and I walked into his bedroom midday, and he was laying laying there with a needle beside him. And and that was the longest walk from the doorway to his bedside that I've ever taken, the longest walk I've ever wow. taken in my life to, to, to see that. So the fear of, of losing him was a big one. Um, it's still a big one. Um, sure. And yeah. um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that that, but you know, <laughs> I said thank you, God, for letting him breathe. You know, and I know that's not everybody's experience. Um, there are there are instances, obviously many, with um, where they didn't wake up, where they didn't get to thank God for the breath that was in their child that they, yeah. um, so I just, um, had he overdosed part. for at that moment was, had he overdosed no. or no. Okay. No. It was just a, no. yeah. Just yeah, but still that scary. image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've asked wow. him if he's ever, ever overdosed, if he's ever come to that point, 
even when I, when, I, when I wasn't around. He said no, that he hasn't. But, you know, you, you, through this process, I've, I've heard, and this is a, a good, um, good advice that I took, while he, just while he was in rehab this last time, I um, went and bought Narcan. I went and purchased the prescription of Narcan to carry, to have, just in case. I have one in my purse and one at my bedside in the, the nightstand drawer. Um, I hope I never have to use it. Right. But yeah. Being yeah. It, being but the reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Is he working now? Is Adam mm, having a job that, now? That's what we talked about today. Um, we, I gave him until, no, he does not. Gave him until yeah. next, the end of next week to find something. He's a blue collar worker. He's not, um, he's an electrician. So he can oh, find work. Oh, good for him. Yeah, and he knows does he, he, he's not a, a person that wants to sit on his laurels. He, he he's um, right ADHD high strong, so he's not right. not going to sit around long. <laughs> yeah. So does he have a felony? I know, like for our son, it took him a while to find a job um, because of you know the, now they can't even find a place to rent because of their past. Once they mm-hmm. have a felony. Um, yeah. And he's got a probation officer. Is that is he struggling with that too? Yes. Yeah, he does have felonies. Um, I say felonies because unfortunately, you know, um, yeah. sometimes one time they don't learn they don't learn the lesson. Um, right. And, yeah. And, it, Our son, and that's the nature of the beast. Yeah, it is, and it is the beast. Well, I just it, in case you don't know or moms listening don't know, there are felon friendly companies that you can Google that will um, hire felons. And um, you have to kind of search for them. Um, I, that was something that initially for us, we told our son uh, um, this one time to come clean with who he was working for um, because it was in the paper and we thought, we thought that, his employer was going to find out. So we told him, we suggested that he go and tell his employer what he, what he had done. And um, it was the worst, maybe the worst advice ever. It's hard to know, but it was a white collar job. I mean, he has a bachelor's degree, but what happened was he went and told them what he had done and that, you know, and since he put it in writing, they, they had to fire him. If he hadn't said anything, it was none of their business, and they probably never would have found out. But we felt that just being the kind of people we are, we just were like, uh-huh. oh, my gosh, who gets in trouble like that? Somebody's going to find out. You're going to get fired. You better go tell them first, right? Mm-hmm. So right. Then when they go to look for a job, so like in Adam's case, so he wants this job, right? So he goes, he can – he he has two choices. Well, maybe more than two, but let's say he goes to apply for a job. He knows they need an electrician. And he says, look, you know, I know you're going to do a background check and here's what you're going to find. But I want you to know that um, I've been through recovery and I'm committed to staying clean. You know, he has that choice, right? He could tell them. Or he could just go in and think, well, they're not going to do a background check because they're a little, um, they're a local company and, they're not affiliated with like a big type of company. So I'm going to take a chance that they don't know anything about me and that they don't research it. 
And that way I don't have to tell them a word. So our son did that in both ways. So when he would tell them, he wouldn't get the job. And when he wouldn't tell them and they do the background check, he wouldn't, he would get the job and then they do the background check and then say, Oh, sorry, we just did a background check. We can't hire you. Right. So like he had, I can't even, I don't know, 20 different jobs like that. I mean, so after a while, they don't have any confidence. They begin to feel that they are lesser than. They begin to feel that they, you know, depressed. And that they, especially for a man and a guy, like their self-worth is all tied up into their job. A lot of them, not all, all men, but a lot of men, you know, are geared that way where they are, at least our son was and still is. But he went and got, um, he he works for Build, Builders Mart. It's like a construction lumber company here. And he drives big trucks and delivers loads all over. So um, just locally, though, not, you know, not state. He used to drive a semi all over the United States and then quit that. You know, but these are jobs that mm-hmm. he got because, he could no longer like work in the field he he was working in and um anyway but yeah so i i'm sure that adam has some of that going on so as a mom you kind of start having that pity party for him right and maybe that's some of the pain that you refer to you know you hate to see their bodies like what the body has, they put their body through and then the emotional where they have no self-esteem and confidence. I mean, mm. it's just like a snowball. But um, right. So right. What, and if we can, what helps you? What helps you stay positive then, especially if he's living in the house? Like, what do you? What do you do for you? Well, um, I. Well, of course, um, I try to stay stay close to God. That that's first and foremost. Um, and I journal, I journal a lot. Ooh. I have books and books and well, journals and journals. Um, uh, that's just something I've always liked to do ever since high school. So it, wow. writing helps me. Um, I'm not an artistic person, so I don't, I don't paint or I don't do, do crafts or any of that kind of thing. But writing is, maybe that's art, art Can I, you know, yeah, can I talk about that for a minute? Because um, I I think there is so much power in journaling, and I kind of want to understand for you um, what that power is for you. And and is it so? A couple questions. Do you do you look back on previous posts and read them and see the changes in you? Um, do, when you, when you journal, is it just to, um, kind of spill out your feelings to help you cope or does it help you see and read what you write to then process how you can heal? Those are, those are a lot of questions there. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. I guess I'm just curious about the journaling and how it helps you. So speak into that like in any way you can. At first I used to write to purge, to get it out there, you know, and then as I got older, 
I started to to be more reflective and not just so reaction reactionary. You know, it was like I would right. I would get my emotion out on the page, and that that was that's great. That's great for a season, and I feel like we all need to to do that to some extent because we need to get it out there. If you don't have somebody to talk to, get it out on paper. And some people throw it away. Some people, you know, but I, I kept my purging. <laughs> so, Good so for yeah, you. I, um, I, I, I didn't reflect back on it until probably on any of those until probably I was in my 30s. I started to reflect back and think and look back on my journey. And now I write with um, a journal, I should say, with um, with more of a a purpose to grow in that moment to to be reflective in the moment instead of just being hasty i try to right now um yeah right with a purpose um so, so purposeful let, let, journal journaling mm-hmm. like you could create a whole class on that on how <laughs> <laughs> I, don't mind me. I'm just a creator, so I'm always thinking, uh, thinking of things to create to help other people, right? So that's just kind of who I am. But I love that because, um, you know, sometimes life gives you experiences, right? But if we can take the time to have reflective experiences, we will learn so much faster. So well done. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it, and, and the difference between reactionary versus reflective, uh, gosh, we could talk about that for a long time. So thank you for sharing. That's like a nugget to me. Um, okay, Mom, <laughs> if you're that, listening. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, wanted to, I just wanted to say that, um, and, and it's easy to um, to see the older I got, you know, it's not easy as a young young person, as a young mom, as a young um, person growing myself. Because I had I had my children early in my twenties, um, I I didn't see it, it's yeah. You you grow with the years, you know. So right. I don't expect, well, yeah, because mm-hmm. like you said, you know, you just kind of vomit on the page when you're first journaling. Because you're so angry and you're like, okay, there's nobody to talk to and, you know, I need to get this out and spill this out somehow time and I'm not going to tell counselor this because, you know, who has time for that? I'm raising all these kids or whatever. And so then, you know, as we gain a little wisdom, um, we realize, wait a minute, I need to keep those. I need to reflect back on that because I want to see how I'm growing. Um, and, and I shared something today on our page, something over the weekend that, that happened to me and, you know, it was this experience and I, I was in, I, I thought afterward it felt awkward and I thought, how could I have handled that differently, right? And so mm-hmm. if I had just been angry or just been frustrated and done nothing, you know, that's okay, I guess. But for me, I was like, wait, I'm complaining about this. I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. So what should I do differently? that I didn't do. Um, and so it, it prompted, you know, conversation with my husband and with myself and to arrive at, you know, that place where, oh, I guess I, 
I could do this. I'm going to try that next time, right? So um, I love that's that. Good, using, that's very good. Yeah, just journaling and, and give ourselves forgiveness um, because we don't we don't have it all. When, when Ryan was a teenager, he used to say to me, you've got to read all those parenting books. You don't even know how to be a mom. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> He was he was awful because, I mean, I was, like, so dead set on getting it right. But you're not surprised that I was reading books about that, right? Are you? So, I mean, that's just what I do because it's like I want, it, I want to get it right. But, um, but anyway, you know, Michelle, remember. there is no there is no manual to, to motherhood. That <laughs> doesn't no. – we don't we, – we're not um, gifted these children with a manual, you know. Um, yeah other than, than life's lessons and, and reflecting back and, and listening to the words of wisdom, whether it be in the Bible, whether it be from other moms who've walked this journey or, or you know, who, who've um, been in your shoes at that moment, you know. So it's good to be be um, needy when in the infancy stage, I guess. And, and it's um, not needy, but it's good to ask for help in the beginning then it's good to be working yes. that advice and working that that those details of how you need to grow and how you need to help your children navigate their lives and then there's another season of of being a, a human and when you can be the nurturer and be the person that people come to for wisdom and um and that that's yeah that that's yes, where that's true. I found journaling helped a lot, you know. So I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, um, I don't go back and and shame myself for things I didn't do right or didn't do wrong. I right. didn't didn't do right or did wrong to, to to my standard. Everybody, you know, I mean. Yeah. So I give so, myself grace. You said something earlier about grace, and grace. and that's that's a big deal. Give it, give yourself grace. Um, yeah, so true. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about asking the moms on the page because this is my warped sense of humor. What is the worst thing you ever did, um, or what is the thing you remember the most? The the uh, that enabling thing that you did. Okay, so I have a confession. Okay, hopefully nobody's listening all the way to this end of the podcast, but if they are, they're going to hear this confession, and I'm not proud of it. So. But we all have these. And tell me what you think if I should ask mom. So Ryan, when he um, and his wife, they've been married 15 years, and um, they ended up pregnant before wedding and before marriage. And so they decided to get married, but he hadn't finished his degree, his bachelor's degree. So he had, he was almost done, but he had to take eight classes, right? Eight, eight classes, plus he was working a job. And so everybody helped him out. Like, we would make note cards for him. Like, he was in all these classes, right? And he had to pass because, you know, he needed to finish his degree before kids came along. So I wrote a paper for him. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) My gosh. It was like this huge paper. And it was a term paper. I had, like, books and um, journal. Oh, what are those? Scholarly journals on my my desk and I was like so excited about this paper right and he got a hundred percent on it but he didn't write it like what kind well of well done does mom that, right? 
<laughs> I am like, oh my gosh. So I, his daughter, his oldest daughter is now 15, and I was telling her, I have, a, I have to tell you what I did. Yeah, so, you know, we, but I give myself grace now, but I look back on that and I can find the humor in it because at the time, it was like, I think I, I knew I shouldn't be doing that for him, but it was my way to help out. And I was, I was kind of digging it. Like, I thought it was kind of fun. <laughs> this so, is my jam. I got this. <laughs> I know. It's so bad. But I was in a meeting one time, too, a support meeting, and one mom stood up and she said, that's nothing. She said, my son called me and said, oh, my gosh, the police are coming, and I can't get home, and I have drugs in my trunk of the car. Can you hurry up and go get them out? And she said she was in the trunk of his car, and her feet were, like, sticking out, and she's trying to find this, and she's sweating. Her heart is beating a mile a minute, and she stopped herself, and she thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? (laughs) Right? So, I mean, I think, oh, gosh. So what do you think? You think I should ask moms what's the what's the craziest thing they ever did to enable their or is that just a wrong sense of humor? No, I think it's good. I think because we need to look back, we need to laugh. I think that's good. Okay, and keep it light. I think you should do that and keep it lighthearted because we don't we don't laugh enough, and I know that <laughs> everything's always so serious. I know, I know. Okay, thank you. You're giving me permission, but um, if it backfires, no, I won't come to you. But anyway, so um, just, to, just to kind of wrap up, um, I know um, some moms on the call listening right now, maybe they have read Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery. Um, and Edie, you mentioned that you read the book. Um, mm-hmm. For those who don't know, it's kind of in a journal form. You can get it through Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, or anything like in a paperback format if you want to write in it. Or you can um, download it at momslettinggo.com for um, just download it onto your computer and go through it. But Edie, you had mentioned that you did read it um, and didn't do all the journaling in it. I think there are different levels of recovery for moms and maybe you weren't in that place to need certain parts of that book. But was there, was there one particular chapter or section that kind of resonated with you? Mm. You would be asking me this when I, I don't have the hard copy book. I have to have it digital. Oh no. It's okay. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me just add, because this one part in the book where I go out and I researched, um, like, the four steps to oh, Byron Katie, Katie Byron, I, I might have that her name turned around the wrong way, and she talks about the four questions to ask yourself when you feel like you're just overwhelmed, and the one is, you know, to ask yourself, do you know this to be true? So many thoughts are, uh, so many times our thoughts like paralyze us, like, oh my gosh, my kid's going to die today, right? Mm-hmm. And you take that thought and you ask yourself, one, do I know this to be true? Two, do I positively know without a shadow of a doubt that's going to happen? No. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you remember, but I, that really helped me doing that research and, and share there because. I use that now. I take that through. Um, can be a naysayer sometimes, and I'll just start laughing and say, "Do you know that to be really true?" 
So, that's great anyway, advice. I'm, yes, that is. That's a, that's a great, great, um, great thing to ask yourself. Absolutely. Um, because, like you said, half of the time, it, most of the time, it's not not true. It's not rational. It's just our no. our um, it, mind paralyzes us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I yep. and, and, yeah. And I, I think one time I shared like I couldn't sleep that whole night, and I said to Dave, my husband, I said, I, I think something's wrong with Ryan. I think, I think he needs us. I think he's in trouble. I'm so worried. Like I was such a wreck, and he's like, well, just call him. So, and I said, um, I was up all night last night. I was so worried. Are you okay? He goes, Yeah, I slept like a baby. <laughs> and. <laughs> Okay, that thought. Okay, think of that thought. Realized for yeah. so long, all night, and yet he was sleeping like a baby. Well, let me tell you, I that had... was the last time I ever let that happen, right? And so, you know, um, I had a very similar situation very recently um, when Adam was still in the the, um, the half the sober sober living house after the ninety day um, inpatient. And he came home for Father's Day weekend, and he wanted to stay in a hotel instead of coming to my house or staying at his dad's. And, oh, my goodness, of course, you know, my mom could have easily gone to that place of, oh, gosh, you know, people OD and people go to hotels to OD. Why is he going to our hotel? Why can't he just sleep here? All of that stuff. And, and (laughs) you know what he told me? And it was, he said, Mom, all I want to do is sleep in a full-size bed or a king bed. I'm so sick of sleeping in twin beds. <laughs> I just want to sleep. He says it's like, a, he said, it's like a, a vacation to me. He said, just yes. please let me sleep in a hotel so I could, <laughs> you know. So Not only like, that, like, like you didn't have to share the shower with all those guys. Like it's so gross. Those sober living it, houses are so gross. <laughs> oh, no. So, so he, it was, it, I had to laugh at myself for thinking uh, right. You know the the horror stories yeah. that were going in my mind, but he reassured right. me. He's like, "Mom, all I want to do is sleep in a, yeah. a king size bed with no one <laughs> having to knock on the door, tell asking me when I'm going to be finished in the shower, or having to be on somebody's right. time clock." So that oh, I felt yeah. at peace about that, and I was able to sleep. You know, so yeah. sometimes just sharing that with your with your child, letting them know yeah. your fear. You know. Right. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, because our thoughts can paralyze us, and we all have that problem, um, even those who are not moms of addicted loved ones. But I guess in closing, are there any resources that helped you on your journey that you'd like to share? Do any come to mind besides your besides the Bible? Yeah, the Bible and, of course, your book, Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. Oh, seven thanks. steps to recovery that helped um see me help me see see things um that I may not have uh, questioned in ways I hadn't before codependent no more by melody Beatty. oh yeah I saw melody yeah I saw myself on every page of that book <sighs> I couldn't I, I cried every page every I'm turning a page and yeah. I'm like oh this is so me this is so me um Oh, and then um, wow. the road back to you. I'm an Enneagram junkie. I don't know if you know about the Enneagram. Oh. Okay. Look, 
it is um, a self-discovery tool that that I use about three years ago. Um, a small group and I, a group of ladies, um, moms of addicted children, we um, started having a small group through church, and we just morphed into friends. And so, anyway, we read, we studied the Road Back to You by Ian Morgan, Ian Cron, and Suzanne Stabile. And the Enneagram is, well, it's nine different person. It's one of those personality kind of traits kind of things. Um, oh, yeah. Like disc and those sort of things. Sure. But this helps you relate to other, helps you discover your type. Um, there's the perfectionist. There's the the um, the giver. There's the Sure. The all kinds of different. Okay. And and the 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 achiever, the performer, the, the oh yeah, romantic. Um, so anyway, so I discovered on that in that book, um, my type of enneagram. I'm type one, which is the perfectionist. And so I learned grow. That's a tool that I use in, in my self discovery, and and it helped me maybe think about my loved ones and I don't want to figure out their type. They need to figure out their type kind of a thing, but it helps me relate. It helps me relate a little bit better knowing that um, like Adam is a a high, strong um, performer kind of a person, you know, he's got to have the, the, got to make it look good, you know, got to have the, the, the name brand this, even if he only has one shirt, it's got to be the name brand, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But it, so the learning myself through the Enneagram lens helped me relate to people in my life a little bit better. Wow, that's great. I, I got to look that up. I love that kind of stuff too. Um, have you ever read, I think it's Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages? Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. Yeah. And and so that kind of helps you relate to your loved ones too so that you know how they feel love and how they give it and how they receive it. Um, it's just really an eye-opener. So we talk about that a lot around our house, even with our grandchildren who live with us. Um, you know, and I kind of feel like I know what their love languages are. So I, I will literally stop sometimes because there's, the old, the fifteen-year-old is actually touch, like she wants me to hold her. She's fifteen, Aww. like it's so different, <laughs> right? But um, and anyway, but you know, my mine is uh, acts of service. So when Dave wants to be on my good side, he he's doing all kinds of stuff for me. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it, it it really helps to um, you know, build relationships when you can understand those you love and yeah realize that they're acting a certain way because this is who they are and you're not trying to make them be do or anything different than who they are so but yeah well yeah so true is there any final is there any final um things you'd like to say um gosh one one thing i want to say to mom laugh i said this earlier in in our conversation just find something to to have fun and do it um Sometimes don't take life so serious. Um, I, I have to remind myself to do this, 
to, to I purposely <laughs> will put a, a a comedy, a clean comedy show on Netflix or something. I'll go find something because I don't like all those trash comedies where they're cursing all the time. I know. But, so but I, <laughs> it could be so harsh, yeah. <laughs> but I do like to find some some something to laugh at, even if it is putting a comedy on TV or or um, going to do something silly yeah. or, you know. So, yeah, laugh. Just be joyful. That's Find great. the joy yeah, in great the advice. journey. Find the journey. I, yes. Great, great, great. Great advice. And thank you so much for um, being my guest today. It was so fun getting to know you better. And I, I, I hope that Adam finds his job and continues on his silver journey and and that you find ways to keep you know continue on your journey um for God's will and using the gifts that he gifted you with right so um mm-hmm. I, I I just am honored that you spent time with me today I'm going to stop the recording but don't hang up okay okay <laughs> so if you're listening please feel free to join our private group on um Facebook, it's Moms Letting Go. You can follow me on Instagram at Hope Builder. And um, thank you for listening. God bless.